Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. In this week's episode, the last episode of 2020, I'm grateful to welcome Jay Dusold back to the podcast. If you've been listening to the show, you know that Jay and I have formed a partnership and more importantly, a friendship based on our shared passion and commitment to helping young people find the path that's best for them. This episode is part one in a two-part series focused on what Jay refers to as making things right when you've blown it with your team. Before we touch on strengthening, we need to begin with repairing and reconciling our relationships. Jay shares wisdom and advice cultivated through decades spent working with teens and their parents. During our conversation, we talk about why we need to revisit the past in order to remove barriers and move forward with our teens. We also discuss the importance of self-forgiveness and why saying I'm sorry isn't enough. Jay shares his three-step process for repairing your relationship with your teen and why parents shouldn't lose hope no matter how hopeless things may seem. We're coming up on the start of a new year, and I can't think of a better time to work on building better and stronger relationships with our teens. There's so much valuable information here. Let's get started. Welcome to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Are you tired of watching the teenagers in your life trying desperately to keep up on the high school hamster wheel? Is your teen confused about which direction to take after high school graduation? Our world is changing, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they can feel empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we will explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and I can't wait to take this journey with you. Hi, Jay. Welcome back to the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hey, Betsy. It is great to be back. I'm so glad to uh, join up again. Yeah, I'm glad to have you again. And you're my final episode of 2020. So no pressure or anything, but this better be good. Well, listen, given the type of year this was, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's good to be in that last spot. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going to happen. So, <laughs> Oh, I'm not worried. I think you'll okay. be fine. Um, I'm really personally looking forward to this topic um, because I think any parent, including myself, will benefit from our discussion today. And I love, I love the way you put it, making things right when you've blown it with your teen. I mean, let's be honest, we've all blown it with our teen at some point and we'll probably blow it more times before they're adult and out of the house. So how did you even start on this topic? Like what made you say, this is really important and I think people need to think about this? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, a, lo a lot of my work in this area started probably 20, I would say about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I was a, uh, a youth pastor for many years. And one of the things I realized very quickly in working with teenagers was that there was a lot of stress and a lot of angst and um, turmoil in their relationship with their parents. And I wanted that to change. I wanted to do something about that. And so uh, I started focusing on helping parents really connect with their teenagers. And I realized that one of the things that was a huge barrier for them to move forward was the past. And I realized quickly that in order to really have the kind of relational health 
that would give them something great in the future, they had to go back and revisit certain things from the past, specifically times in the relationship when they really blew it and were hurtful, but never actually made it right in the right ways. And so it, it just became so apparent that going back to make things right was important to then build on something. You know, there had to be a good foundation to build on going forward. Uh, so that's where it started. And then I kind of practiced it, uh, thankfully, in my own life as a parent. Elaine and I really were committed to making sure we, we went back and we're always making things right, reconciling and keeping that part of our relationship healthy so we can move forward. Yeah, from personal experience, I do my I do my best to say I'm sorry. I've made a mistake. I've made a bad decision decision to my kids, but you know we still carry around that parental guilt. I could have done better. I should have done better. Any thoughts on that about how we as parents can kind of reconcile that within ourselves? Oh yeah, that's really good. Yes. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in self forgiveness before you go and try to seek the forgiveness of others because. Uh, that will oftentimes shape your whole mindset of going to reconcile and make things right with someone else. It's the grace that you've given to yourself and you've accepted what you've done. All right. So you're not excusing it. You're owning it, taking responsibility for it. And you're certainly not approving it. You're disapproving of it. That's why you're feeling the way you are. And you're saying, however, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm going to look at it, acknowledge it, take responsibility for it. And uh, I, I want to grow. I want to maybe do some exploratory work of why did I respond in this hurtful way? Is there something going on in me that I need to focus on? Is this a pattern of, of relational stuff that I need to address? So uh, I always encourage parents, let it draw attention to maybe a growth area or something that you need to address, but don't let it define you. And you can just say in that moment, I'm purposing to be different next time. Mm, okay. And what if you are parenting a teen that is not interested in hearing what you have to say? You know, you've, I don't want to say the damage is done, but you, you've had an interaction with your teen that, frankly, you could have done better. And they're pretty mad at you or they're pretty upset with you. And despite your trying to make amends and apologizing, yeah. they're still resisting because they're hurt and rightly so. How do you go about starting to mend that? Yeah, that's a huge issue for sure. And uh, I mean, obviously, just right off the bat is timing is, is really important. Like sometimes there's nothing that you could actually say or do. And it might take a while for there to become an openness to from, the, you know, on the part of the team to actually be receptive to any kind of initiative of repairing that the parent may do. So timing is huge and, and, you know, kids are different for what, what type of time frame they need to be open to receiving anything, you know, from someone who's trying to reconcile with them. So I think that's really important is just recognize there might be some timing issue involved. Uh, the second step I think is so important. And I, I have to call you out a little bit on this right now in front of everyone. Now I know we're friends and I can I can do this. Um, and if you uh -oh. can see Betsy's face right now, she's looking terrified. Um, no, but actually, you said something just a few minutes ago that I think is a is um, it's a trap that most parents fall into. Actually, most people that are trying to reconcile actually fall into, 
And that is just simply saying like, hey, I'm sorry. And I believe one of the greatest barriers to making things right with other people when we've wronged them or hurt them or wounded them is that we don't empathize. You see, empathy is the most critical component of reconciliation. And so it's the often most overlooked component, right? And so basically it means this. If, if, if we do something wrong to a person, right, there is the technical offense. Let's say that we, we, we lied to somebody, right? And so there is the technical offense of our action. We lied. It's wrong to lie. It's hurtful to lie, right? That's the technical offense. But then there is the wound of the technical offense. And the wound is the emotional fallout. It's, it's, it's the pain that's felt from the technical offense. But you see, usually when we reconcile, saying sorry, like, hey, I'm sorry I lied to you, right? We're, we're, we're dealing with the technical offense, but we leave out the most important part, which is the wound. It's what the offense did. And by the way, that's what people care about. People aren't so much saying, you technically lied to me. I'm so devastated, right? No, it's, it's what the lying did to them that's on their radar, right? That's what they remember, but yet we never really empathize. And so I believe that a, a person will be much more open to receive something from you, to receive these efforts of repairing if you first empathize and get in tune with what it is that your offense did to them. The wounding is really where you have to start, which often makes people more open to then hear more of what you have to say. If you first demonstrate empathy with the fallout of what you've done to them. Okay. Busted. <laughs> and I'm glad that you called me out on that. Um, that was gentle. It was gentle. Oh, I, I can take it. I'm tough. Um, so there's a lot of vulnerability involved in what you're saying too, right? Just kind of Open your, opening yourself up and, and owning it. And really, you're right. It's easy to just say, I'm sorry, right? And we throw that around like, you know, uh, common words that we use every day, right? Oh, so sorry. Oh, sorry about that. But when we dig deeper and we think about the impact that our yeah. actions had on somebody, I mean, that in some cases, that's hard to think about, right? That really makes us do some self-discovery or self-thought about what we've done and how it's affected people, especially our teens. Yeah. I mean, as parent, I, you know, I can only speak about mom guilt. I'm not a dad, but mom guilt is a heavy thing to carry around. And the more we think about, you know, I always joke, I'm not saving for my kids' college. I'm saving for their therapy because I, <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like I'm doing some damage along the way, not intentionally, but you know, I'm learning, I'm a work in progress. Absolutely. So, so me aside, let's, let's talk about, you have some steps, three steps, in fact, to help parents get back on track with their teens when they're feeling like they've blown it. Mm -hmm. So can we walk through that? And, and before we go any further, I want to just let my listeners know, Jay and I host a Facebook group. And if you're not a member of that yet, I highly recommend it. It's called Life After 12th. And we'll have a link in the show notes. But before I joined the group with Jay, he hosted um, a Facebook Live 
about this very topic. And there's a worksheet and he goes through a training. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. This is kind of a teaser um, or a promo about what that was about. It goes much deeper in Jay's Facebook Live, but we wanted to touch on that here. So yeah. I just wanted to give everybody a heads up to be thinking about that and maybe think about joining the group. So um, let's By walk the way, through. Just a disclaimer, when you look at the video, you'll, you'll see a bearded man. That is me, but I, <laughs> it looks very different, but that is me. That was in the, the beard days of early 20. 20- <laughs> <laughs> 2020 has looked very different for a lot of people. Yeah. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because... The news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily. All right, Betsy. So the first step is to prepare your mindset. And I think this is uh, so critical because it's so important to really do this right. It's the kind of thing where if, if you don't do it right, you can actually make things worse. And so um, the, the, the first step is for a parent to really uh, think about their own approach to this, what they're trying to accomplish, and to adjust their mindset before they take any step of, of trying to make things right. Okay. Because we can be defensive or... Um... Can you talk a little bit more about mindset? What do you mean by mindset? Yeah, yeah. Well, you you were definitely on the right path. Yes, you could definitely become defensive. Um, so, so there is four things that um, I usually encourage in in this step of preparing your mindset. The first is just, and I know this sounds so silly, but it is so important. The mindset is just saying I've done something wrong, mm. right? Like just acknowledge that, right? Like don't excuse it. Don't try to justify it. Just say. I've done something wrong against my kid that has to be made right. right? Okay. So, so that's the starting point is just really saying this is an issue that I have to take care of. Um, secondly, is the mindset of saying I am committed to work this thing through to actually sit down and ask forgiveness. Right? That, that's the big picture. That's the end goal of where we're going with this. So it's just right up front. Start with the end in mind of saying I am starting this process to lead to a sit down where I can actually ask forgiveness for what I've done. The third thing is to uh, have in your mind, the mindset, this is a big one. I will not use this meeting for anything else other than asking forgiveness, right? It's not a chance to say, well, I was wrong, but there's five things I want you to be aware, right? It's not that. It's just a mindset of saying, I'm going into this preparing for a sit down and I'm going to use that sit down for one reason. That is to seek forgiveness. And then the fourth thing is um, be prepared for a neutral or negative response. All right. So to your point, you know, if you get a negative response, you might try to justify or you might try to be defensive. And so this is just saying before you do anything, you have to say to yourself in your mind, I am going to be prepared that when I put all this into it and try to reconcile, there could be no response or even worse, there could be a backlash. There could be a negative response. There can be an unleashing of things that maybe I wasn't even aware of or the depth of stuff that gets thrown at me or I get accused of. 
You, you have to be prepared for that. Otherwise, it'll catch you off guard. And then this thing will totally unravel and dissolve. I'm taking a deep breath. So there's a lot there. Yes. Um, and I'm being honest. You're right. Like I use every opportunity <laughs> I have if I have a captive audience to say and or but or. Right. <laughs> Uh, and I try not to be defensive, but I am because um, I get my feelings hurt by my teenagers sometimes. So this is a lot to to keep in mind and to not let it go off the rails. Because yeah. as you said, if they're mad at you, if they're really mad at you for something or feeling really hurt by something you did or said, it's very likely it's going to evolve into more. Yes. And as the parent... I need to find a way to stay calm, neutral, and not get defensive. So, okay, this right. is good. This is I'm taking yeah. notes. Taking notes. Good. And by the way, just just a quick quick couple of thoughts. Number one is that's why um, an accountability person is really fantastic for this process because there are so many landmines, and because it's it's so uh, tenuous, and a lot can go wrong, and it's important to get it right and not make things worse. Having someone that you, you know, a close friend, you know, someone that can really walk it with you. Uh, if, if you are a person of any kind of faith tradition, enlisting people to pray for you or whatever a practice might be that's meaningful to you in your spiritual uh, reality, in your spiritual world, uh, like it's like all hands on deck to help you <laughs> do this world because a lot's, honestly, a lot's at stake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's step one. Yes. Step one is prepare your mindset. Okay. So let's say that that's gone pretty well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've gotten through step one. I feel like I'm in the right mindset. What happens next? Okay. The second step is prepare your content. All right. And this, by the way, is a key practice that will help you stay on course, right? So you just said, hey, I'm kind of thinking about all this here and it's really easy to go off the rails. Well, preparing your content will actually help you stay on task because you've, you've thought through it all and have actually kind of written it out. So it's just a matter of sticking to what you've already described and what you've already prescribed for yourself. All right. So um, prepare your content. There, there are four basic statements here, and I, I won't go into depth for them. Um, the training really unpacks these. But what you're doing, and you're preparing um, four basic statements there is the confession, actually one, two, three, I'm sorry, there's five. The confession statement is, is like just you're writing out the first part of what you're going to say to your kid, which is just acknowledging and confessing that you've done something wrong to them, right? That's that technical offense that we talked about. The second thing is the empathy statement. You're actually going to take time to understand how the thing you've done against them has made them feel. Right. And this is so important. You must do this. You must spend time really understanding the wound of your offense. OK, the third statement is what I call a sorrow statement. So now you're just having some kind of statement of of how how sorrowful you are that you did this. Um, the fourth statement is the instead statement, which is really, really important. So, you know, once you've made the uh, confession Hey, I realized like I, I, I accused you without having the information. Empathy statement. 
I realize this probably made you feel devalued and disrespected. Sorrow statement. I am disappointed in myself for doing this to you, and I'm terribly sorry for how it's made you feel. The instead statement, I should have asked for more questions and clarified before I conclude. I'm intending to do that next time. And then the final statement is just the big ask. It's just literally asking, um, will you forgive me? Do you forgive me for doing this to you? Hmm. All right, so so that's, th- those are the things, the five sections that you really want to prepare ahead of time. And I, I, I really challenge parents to write those out. Now, you don't have to bring your piece of paper with you and read it necessarily, although it, it might be really helpful. And you could tell your kid, hey, I, I put a lot of time into this because it's really important for me to do it correct. And um, I'm just going to I'm going to read the things that I, I've written because I want to make sure I don't mess it up. You know, and just have that level of vulnerability to show them that this is really super important to you. All right. But prepare your content is step two, thinking through those five statements that you want to uh, share and express when you have this final sit down. Okay. That sounds good. And I like thinking about it in advance and having a plan for what you're going to say, because these types of discussions can get heated and they can go off the rails pretty easy and it's easy to get off track and say things in the heat of the moment rather yep. than having thought through it. So good advice. Very good advice. Yep. And I would say too, you know, p- part of the upfront work of the mindset is you could even set parameters for yourself, like not only just preparing the content ahead of time, but preparing, okay, there's a contingency plan. If it goes south and there is negative feedback, um, like what, what are the, what are the two things you're not going to do? What are the, one, the two things you are going to do? So I'm not going to respond in this meeting and I'm not going to show any kind of body language that's going to be inflammatory, okay. right? What will I do? I will actually write down what they're saying. And when they are finished, I will say, I'll have a, I'll have a statement prepared ahead of time. Say, you know, you brought some important things up. I would like to have some time to think about these and get back to you, mm. right? So that's part of that mindset is preparing yourself. If this thing goes south, which it can, you, you, you're you ready for that. You know, you you prepared for that. So it's a good point. Okay. All right. Step three. Yep. And then step three is just, um, I, I don't really have a fancy name for it. It's just um, n- nail down a time that you're intending to actually sit down with your kids. So uh, get a couple of dates in your schedule that work. And um, you, you, you want to do this because you can go through all these steps, but if you don't have some actual times to then pass on to your kid to say, hey, I'd love to really sit down with you and I want to talk to you about a few things. Here are some times that work for me. If you've not thought that through ahead of time and have actual slots, so to speak, available, it's really easy for this to get shelved because, hey, listen, let's face it. It's not something that we, we're going to look forward to doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done this. I've lived this way for years with my kids, and I didn't like doing this any of the times. I've had to go back and do it. And there there are many. Like, I've blown it with my kids. So having the, the, t- the dates where you can kind of nail that down. Um, so even thinking through time and location, that's important. You know, is this something you should do like in your house when people are are and no one's home? Would it be a good thing to do like taking them out? But if you're in public and there's a blowout, do you want there to be a scene, you know, in McDonald's <laughs> or wherever you are? So just thinking through the, the logistics of nailing this down, this meeting, this time that you're going to sit down with your kids. So 
best time and location, some possible dates, and then again, you know, uh, possibly securing a, an accountability person that can really uh, be there to encourage you, not be there, but be in the, in the process to encourage you. Yeah. And I would think you would want to stay away from times when you know you've had a long day at work. So if Mondays are a rough day for you, Monday evening's probably not a good idea. Excellent. Yeah, that's a good It has like a test on Thursday, Wednesday night's not a good idea, you know, things like that. So that's super good examples of times yet you probably want to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. This is helpful, but Again, in the training within the LA12 group, you go into more detail and there's actually a worksheet that goes with it and a step-by-step for parents, right? So if they're feeling like this might feel a little overwhelming or they're not really sure how to get started, the training will offer that as well, right? Yeah, the training, it really takes each of these three steps and it really impacts them. There's a lot more I talk about as far as you know delving into each of the points, each of the five statements, their sample statements. Um, the big ask, you know, of actually asking forgiveness, I spend a whole section saying, you know, like, what kind of, what do you need to say in that? Because there's a lot of pitfalls, actually, in just asking, mm. like saying, hey, you know, I was sorry. You're not saying I'm sorry. You know, you're not saying, hey, I was wrong, but you were too. Uh, you're not even saying, well, if if I was wrong, please forgive me, mm-hmm. right? So, so there's pitfalls even in the smaller step of the ask. And so we walk through very specifically in the training what I suggest as the actual wording to use. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's the, the worksheet is great because it literally just kind of walks you through step by step how to construct your own, you know, statements and how to actually prepare to have a real sit down with your kid. So, yeah, please take advantage of the resources there for sure. Okay. And I'm going to put links in the show notes, but for those people who are maybe just listening on a walk or wherever, can can they just go to, well, they can go to the LA 12 group, uh, Life After 12th group on Facebook and connect with us in there and we can direct them to the resources there as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And if there's other ways that, that we can, you know, especially, you know, listen, Betsy, I know that you and I are both deeply committed to actually empowering parents to do something. We don't do this to create a nice podcast, which you, by the way, you have a very nice podcast. <laughs> uh, we, we don't create this stuff just because we want to hear ourselves talk. We are both deeply committed to actually empowering parents to do something, to take the amazing interviews that you host and to learn something to actually implement. You know, we, we're, we're practitioners in that sense. We want parents to be able to take this and use it. So if any listening parent starts doing this and they hit a snag or they're like, please, like either through the LA 12 group or just contact Betsy or myself, I'll get on the phone with you. I mean, you can book a chat with me. I'll get on the phone with you and help you walk through this. If you're really making the commitment to do this and you're hitting a roadblock, like this is so important. This is so life-giving you know, I spent many years, like I've already said, in, in youth ministry as a youth pastor. I saw parents and teenagers who had incredibly uh, conflicting relationships full of just patterns, years of patterns of wounding and hurting and bad communication. And I saw parents who really just said, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this. Where do I start? And they started with making things right with reconciliation, relational recovery. And when they took the steps and did them well, I can't tell you 
how many relationships I saw literally turned around. I mean, parents saying, I like my, my kids never been this open to me. Like this was huge. Like we have, we're moving forward finally. So if you're a parent, you're listening, you're like, Hey, like I, I'm like, I'm, I'm three or four years into the teen years and man, things have just not been well from the beginning. There's hope. Listen to me. There is hope. It always starts with reconciling. When you can go to someone and you're sincere and you've taken time to understand not just what you've done, but what what you have done has done, right? There's right. the wound. And you've empathized. Man, that, that opens up someone's heart to be receptive when you're sincere and when you've taken time to empathize. That is the beginning point of relational recovery and healing to move forward. And I've seen it. I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it with my own kids. I've wounded my kids. And when you can take that time to really go and be sincere and get in tune with the wound and honestly own it and ask forgiveness, it's just it's just uh, like a, a reboot, a reset to then move forward and build. So please, if you're listening and you're in this spot, it is not beyond hope. There is hope. But it does it does mean you have to start here. You as the parent have to own this. And maybe there's only two things on your list that you've got to clear up and there's 5 million on your teens list. Doesn't matter. You take care of your two, you make it right, and then watch what happens from that point. Wow. What a message of hope and positivity. And gosh, we all could use some of that in the world right now. And I think, I know parents in particular, who are really struggling, uh, feeling very hopeless with regard to the relationship they have with their teens. And I love that you took the time, Jay, to join me today to talk about this, because I think this impacts just about every family in some way, shape, or form. And what's really neat about this is once we do the work of repairing and, and getting that relational recovery in place, we can move forward from there and really build a strong relationship with our teen. And I'm happy to say that in the new year, we are going to do a part two to this series. And Jay and I are going to talk about, okay, now that we've started to rebuild and connect, that we're going to learn how to make it even stronger and and connect with our teens. And I'll say this, you know, I'm really starting to feel that clock ticking fast for me. My son is a junior. I have one more year with him at home. And by the time he moves on after high school, whether it's college or another road, I want to feel like I did everything in my power to have as strong a relationship with him as I can, knowing that someday he'll come back and he'll want to come back. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's huge, Betsy. And that's, uh, you know, as we, we've talked about this relational theme in its larger, you know, it's, it's, it's larger extended um, breadth of it. We said, Hey, you know, it's really important to, to, we, we want to get there to that point of, well, how do you build, you know, how do you really strengthen? How do you have the kind of relationship during the teen years that translates into really good friends with your young 20 somethings. Right. Um, and so as we talked, you know, Betsy and I decided it's better to start here at the beginning of the repair, the recovery work. And then we can talk about how do you then move forward with really building some phenomenal things into your relationships with your teens that gives you 
that, you know, that's going to give you that desired outcome of really having a, a really sh- strong relational connection with them that, that gets pulled forward into their young adulthood. So that's coming. Yeah, that'll be next. We definitely want to talk about that. And it's not, it's not as difficult as, as people make it out to be. There's just a, a few small as a handful of things that if you do consistently over time, you'll get those results. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And this has been, as always, super helpful. I learn from you every time I talk to you, Jay, whether it's behind the mic or not behind the mic. Um, thanks for joining me. And people can find you again in the in our LA12 group, but where else can people find you and learn more about your amazing teen career coaching? Because that's an incredible opportunity too for, for career confused teens and parents who want to help them through that. Sure. If any other parents listening, if they'd like to learn about my teen career guidance, um, you could do that at lifeafter12th.com, lifeafter12th.com. And you can learn all about um, the different stuff I do there specifically for career guidance with teens. And your Instagram. Yes. Yeah, that, that's newer. Sorry, I forget to mention that because that's kind of a new initiative. But uh, yeah, and that's that's kind of birthed out of working with so many parents in the Life After 12 Facebook group and then trying to take what we're hearing there and then translate that into the kinds of things that we want to say directly to teens to encourage them. So um, that's new, uh, a relatively new development. So I'm on Instagram as Gen Z Career Guide. Gen Z career guide. And that's geared. I mean, I don't mind the parents follow me, but that's uh, my, my heart there is to really connect with young people and be able to speak into their lives about how awesome they are and how career future stuff doesn't have to be so intimidating and confusing. Perfect. All of these links will be in the show notes and we'll look forward to part two in the new year. And we hope to see many of my listeners join us in our Facebook group life after 12. Thanks again, Jay. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Betsy, for having me. And it was great to be here with your audience again. Appreciate it. Well, that wraps it up for this episode of the High School Hamster Wheel podcast. As we mentioned during the episode, please be sure and visit Jay and I in our Facebook group, Life After 12th. If you just search for it in Facebook, you'll find it. And the link will be in the show notes. If you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would share it with a friend or two. And if you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts and give me a rating and a review. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so new episodes will be delivered directly to you as soon as they're available. You can find and connect with me on the High School Hamster Wheel Facebook page or on my website at highschoolhamsterwheel.com. All links and references mentioned during this episode can be found in the show notes. The High School Hamster Wheel Podcast is a proud partner of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast. Hi, this is Kim Thompson, host of Storytime Anytime a podcast packed with songs, stories, and a whole lot of learning fun. Each episode will explore a new topic like dinosaurs, sharks, space travel, chemistry, horses, reptiles, and so much more. New episodes are out every other week. 
So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. It's really story time and music at its best, exclusively for kids.